On the block, on demand. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Can you play guard for the Syracuse University basketball team? Uh, please inquire within at the Carmelo Anthony Center. I got game coach. I got eligibility. Man. I mean, this team was as thin as could be in, in terms of bodies and numbers and bench minutes as it is, uh, literally last in the country or, or near to it in bench minutes. And then we find out today that Howard Washington got hurt at practice yesterday. We don't know the severity and the length of how long he'll be out of the injury and how long he'll be out of the lineup. We certainly know he will not play against Georgia Tech tomorrow. So it's Ironman basketball. It's a six-man team. Yes, Jim Beheim likes to go with short benches as it is, but not that short, man. So we certainly wish all the best to Howard Washington as the MASH unit continues to pile up for Syracuse basketball. Spoke with the scout who knows today about Tyus Battle. We'll get into that a little bit. Super Bowl talk and anything you want to jump in on. We are wide open this hour at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Welcome back to those of you that have been hanging with us. Uh, welcome aboard to those of you just joining us. If you missed uh, Sean McDonough, the voice of Monday Night Football. Well, too bad. Quit slacking. And listen to the whole show. What's wrong with you people? Jeez, all I ask for is two hours a day. You spoiled brats that can't listen to the show. We got to put it up on the website. We got to put it on the podcast so you can listen on demand. Back in my day, we didn't have no on demand. Okay, you know, we're just kidding. We do have the website. We do have on demand for a reason. We put the big interviews up that we do on the, if you subscribe, of course, to ESPN Syracuse via iTunes or Google Play, then you can listen to this show and the big interviews on your time on demand. It's a beautiful thing. So if you did miss Sean McDonough, we'll forgive you this time. And it's up uh, on the website and on the podcast as well. So yeah, Syracuse, man, I mean, you can't make it up. You see the alert come across your phone. I'm sitting there and of course I work at Syracuse.com. So I see these things happen in real time. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Another player gets an injury that now Matthew Moyer is an ankle situation. He could come back at some point. It's probably not tomorrow, but you know how ankle injuries are with basketball players. Barama Asidibe already slowly but surely coming back. Huge game the other night. He's not 100%, but is at least at a level where he can play and he can contribute and they can rotate a little bit there. And see, when we say the word depth, it's not just depth in terms of you need players that can come in and, you know, Frank Howard needs to needs a breather, needs to sit for five or ten minutes, or needs to sit down so Jim Beheim can kind of straighten him out. Hey, listen, things are getting wild out there. A couple of turnovers, sit here for a minute, just kind of collect yourself. Depth is about rotation. Depth is about matchups. Depth is about, you know, Jim Beheim said it the other night, right? With Moyer's injury. Well, we may have to go to that three-guard lineup. Well, now that's not even a possibility. Now, look, Braden Boyer is there and has been put on scholarship, and we saw a flash of him this year, but I'd be lying to you if I could you know, do the next minute and a half of radio and scout Braden Boyer. I haven't seen enough of him, nor has anybody for that matter. He now becomes an emergency option. 
if you really have to go to him, I mean, that's it. You only have two guards. And the thing with Frank Howard and Tyus Battle is they're already logging huge minutes to start with. And I brought this up earlier in the show, and I think it's, you know, the best way I can frame this. If this is Survivor, and Jeff Probst is coming out saying the tribe has spoken, right, and he's putting out the torches, if you had to order it out and say, boy, if we had to lose two players, not that I want to make this choice, well, you want to pick the guys whose production you can live without, get around, or adjust to. And based on the minutes that battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett play, the contributions of Merrick Dolgei, the contributions of O'Shea Brissett, the contributions either on a given night between Pascal and Barama, the two guys at the end of the list that you can at least say, well, if I've got to eliminate two, these are the two, are the two that are hurt. And that's nothing against Matthew Moyer and Howard Washington because obviously they've both made valuable contributions at times. But if we're ranking this by minutes played, stats, and contributions, the there's no plus in this. But to just look at it objectively, if there's two guys that if you had to do this without, those are the two you'd probably make the choice to do it without. Now you're at a crisis point, though. You've only got six available scholarship players. And I know that there's a lot of timeouts in college basketball, and there are kids that are in shape, and you know people that kind of scoff at that. Like, come on, they're 18 to 22-year-old kids in the best shape of their life. It's like, well, college basketball games could be intense. And now, if you're Georgia Tech, if you are Virginia, certainly on Saturday, that just loves to wear you down to start with, you're thinking of ways that you can try and wear down Syracuse. So you only got six guys. Foul trouble becomes a major concern now. You have no room for error there. Or you're getting down to the Braden Boyers of the world. Or, you know, which which walk-on are we going to see in a situation you wouldn't normally see a walk-on? I mean, it is at that point. You are already asking so much of, of Battle and Frank Howard and O'Shea Brissett and your primary contributors. Now you put a little bit more on their shoulders. So if anything, this is going to be a hell of a story to watch to see how this team responds, to see how they come together a little bit more, how adversity defines them. Because Georgia Tech is a game that you would put in the winnable, manageable category. I know Ben Lammers is there, and they've got a great inside game, and they present a unique challenge to Syracuse that they didn't really see against Pitt, didn't really see against Boston College in their last three games. It's on the road in the ACC, we all know, a tough place that that can be just in general. But now you're down to six guys. Six. And that's not by choice. That's just by that's all you got. Man, injuries. And we talked to Sean McDonough earlier. He called the Duke-Notre Dame game last night. Bonzi Colson, Matt Farrell, DJ Hughes, gone. You look around the ACC and it just seems to be one of the storylines this year. Players going down. Clemson lost one of their best players. What is happening? It's just, it's, look, it's part of sports. People get hurt, but when it happens in waves like this, you're just like, man, what is in the water? It's like the flu's going around, but, you know, instead of the flu, it's ACLs and knee injuries and ankles and all sorts of basketball injuries. So, yet another challenge for this team, and it's happening at a time when you play Georgia Tech tomorrow, you flip the calendar and your neck is going to be straining up looking at all the teams 
that you'll be playing in the standings. Virginia on Saturday, number two team in the country. Never easy to go to Louisville. They don't quite play the pressure defense and the intense way that Patino coached, but you know David Pageant, that isn't fault. That apple has not fallen far from the coaching tree. They do a lot of the same things at Louisville, and that's not an easy place to play by any imagination. And then in no particular order, you know, here comes Carolina, and here comes Duke and Miami, and all the teams that Syracuse has not seen for the most part that are all above you in the ACC standings, and you're going into it. With six guys. And if Moyer comes back, maybe you got seven, but he's not 100%. And at this point, now what was what we were told today is that Jim Beheim will address this a little bit more after the Georgia Tech game tomorrow at his press conference. But we do not know the severity of Howard Washington's injury. We know he had some sort of leg brace on and you know precautions are being taken and tests are being done and nobody wants to say anything definitive until there's something definitive to say. But what a story. And to see the stat that they don't, it was Duke the other day against Virginia that logged, the according to Ken Pomeroy's stats, the least amount of bench minutes a team has used was Duke. Six minutes against Virginia. So even Syracuse, which has, you know, statistically over the course of a whole season, used the least amount of bench minutes and is the thinnest team in the country. They haven't even gone down that thin where it's like ride the starting five and that's it. Well, Duke can do that because all those guys are NBA players. What are you – it's not unique in that Syracuse's bench tends to be short as it is, but now let's try it when you literally don't have anybody else available to you and see how that goes. It is – look, these guys fight. What they have done all year is fight in these situations – and they love to grind, and they love to play this way, and by now, Battle and Brissett and Howard and the guys that log the big minutes, they know what's expected of them. They prepare for these games this way, but they're only human. After a while, it's just to to look on that bench and see no one available to come in for you. I mean, I'm asking this openly. What kind of psychological effect could that have? Because it can go either way. You go into survival mode, it's like, well... We don't have a choice. It's all on me. Or there's going to be that one game where, like I said, what if foul trouble becomes an issue? You, it's one thing to prepare for it in a way of, I know i got to play these minutes, and what you do as a unit, how you you know distribute the ball, and, and knowing that. It's the things you can't control. Like you get Teddy TV one night who's got you know a trigger-happy whistle, and all of a sudden you're, you know, just pick an example, Frank Howard's got three fouls in the first 10 minutes of a game. Well, what do you do then? What you would have done is put Howard Washington in. Can't do it. Tyus Battle can't hit water if he falls out of a boat. What do you do then? You just got to put up with it. O'Shea Brissett went back to the other night, a shooting number where and nobody could shoot in that game. I hate to pick on him in particular, but... If O'Shea's having one of those nights where it's just not falling, you just got to deal with it. Where you can sub and move people around a little bit is Merrick Dolzhai and Barama Sadaibi and Pascal Chukwu. But those guys can't play guard. So this is going to be very interesting to see how it's handled, what the status of Howard Washington is, how soon Moyer can come back. 
and how effective he'll be. We all know how bad ankle injuries are for basketball players. And I was listening to a Jerry McNamara show last night right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, which is always a great listen, and Coach Autry's show as well. They were back-to-back last night, so you got a lot of good, meaty basketball talk. But to hear Jerry describe Moyer's ankle and you know where he's at there, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it's not going to be any time soon before he's playing at the clip that he can. He can't shove somebody back out there when they're not ready, particularly when you know you got an ankle that <laughs> is blown up and about five different colors. Anybody that's had a really bad ankle sprain knows how the discoloration and a lot of gross things I just won't get into on the radio right now. But this is as thin a basketball team as we have seen, not by choice, but by this is just what's happened. So, I mean, I'm fascinated. The The journalist in me, the talk show host in me, the person that's curious, how do you do it? Because these are the situations that they don't teach you. This is how this is where experience comes around. This is where coaching really comes into play. This is the this is why they pay you the big bucks. But you know, even in forty years plus of coaching, how many times has Jim Beheim had to do this because he's had a number of players not even available to you? So we will continue to discuss that. How Syracuse is going to plow through this? If we hear anything. Worth uh, passing along on either injury front. We certainly will. I want to still focus on the guard situation, but in a different way. When we come back, I wrote about this bit on Syracuse.com today. I'll send out that link on Twitter. It's on my Twitter feed now if you want to check it out. But on a slightly different note, because a lot of you have been asking, and it's been a while since we updated this, where's Tyus Battle at in the NBA discussion right now? I think you'll be interested to hear what the scout who knows told me today. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. We're chewing on a lot today. So, the immediate future is on our mind, certainly, like tomorrow and Syracuse is only going to have six players, and they're going to have to grind out another one with even less available talent to come off the bench due to injury in the wake of hearing about Howard Washington's injury today, which, again, we don't know the extent of it. We know he's got kind of a leg brace on, and it's some sort of leg injury. And, you know, the more vague you are, the worse these things tend to be. That uh, That's just me talking generally and looking back and how injuries have been described and how uh, forthcoming people are with information in that way. We'll see. That might not be the case. We'll get the official update uh, apparently tomorrow after Bayheim talks to the media after the uh, Georgia Tech game. Maybe something comes out before then if they have anything more definitive. We know he's not playing tomorrow. We know he's not playing tomorrow. Matthew Moyer, more than likely not playing tomorrow. Got six guys against Georgia Tech. So that's the here and now. If you want to take this a little broader, I think a lot of us have been operating under the assumption that Tyus Battle was going to be in the NBA this time next year. That that streak of six consecutive seasons of first-round players sent there from Syracuse, which is second only, by the way. Current streak, Kentucky eight straight years, Duke seven straight years, Syracuse six. Six straight years with a player taken in the first round. That's the list. That is a pretty 
awesome recruiting tool in your back pocket. One of the best, particularly in this world of one and dones and trying to attract top flight talent. And again, nobody's giving up on this year or turning the page on this year, but it's hard not to look at next year. Seth and I were just talking during the break. I mean, let's just rattle off the names. If Tyus Battle comes back, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, depending on the severity of his injury, but Howard Washington's on the roster next year. You bring in a four-star talent in Jalen Carey. Buddy Bayheim comes in. And, oh, yeah, Elijah Hughes, who's on the roster now and is practicing and gets a head start, just can't play because of transfer rules. It's six guards, so inevitably one of them redshirts, probably Buddy, but we'll see. Then you got Moyer, Brissett, Pascal Chuku, Darius Basley, one of the highest recruited players Syracuse has had in, de- in a, you know, over a decade, comes in and Merrick Dolzhai is still around. That's a pretty nasty team. That's a top 15, top 10 team to start the year next year. This team, Tyus Battle, as it stands right now, Frank Howard, Pascal Chuku, Merrick Dolzhai, O'Shea Brissett, Barama Sadaibi. That's it. That's the list. Boom. So I talked to the scout who knows today. Finally got in touch with him. And let's keep a couple things in mind here. One, no, it's not too early to talk about this stuff. If you keep it in the proper perspective, yes, it's January. Things can change one way or the other. And by the way, they have changed, which is why I'm bringing it up today. So just keep in mind, discussing NBA prospects of current college basketball players is a fluid-moving situation. What does thermometer say today? That's all I'm doing. So keep that in mind. There's oh, there's For people that say, why are you talking about this now? There's NBA scouts sitting there courtside every game. This is a process. They don't just parachute in at the end of the season and be like, all right, let's see what we got here. They are scouted and evaluated constantly. And there, if there's an abrupt enough change in this, I think it's worth noting. Because at this time last year, and I call him the scout who knows because he knows He has been dead on in recent years. Not right 100% of the time. Nobody is. But at this time last year, you know what he was telling me? 18 to 24. 18 to 24. Where did Tyler Lydon go? 24. The year before that. Now, Malachi Richardson came on a little later and had the boom moment in the tournament. But he was telling me, look, that's a first-round talent. He didn't think he'd leave as soon as he did but had a lot of great things to say about him and other recent players, Tyler Ennis. Chris McCullough was kind of a surprise to some people, and, you know, with the shortened season with the injury and the way that that played out, nobody really saw that coming. But the scout who knows has not led me wrong here. And it's not just his opinion and his evaluation. You know, he talks to other scouts, and he's got the the buzz and the feel of, of what they're saying. Take it all for what it's worth. Right now, what he told me is, Now, early in the year, and even after the first few mock drafts that ESPN put out, keep this in mind, too. Different NBA draft, how can I put this? This is a different guy doing it. It was Chad Ford, now it's Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan Gavoni had Draft Express. ESPN bought Draft Express, and that's essentially... Their NBA draft coverage now. So for what it's worth, it's it's somewhat of a different process. But Battle was in the first round through their first couple of mock drafts. Late first round pick, that's what, and this is based on feedback from scouts, and, you know, they kind of put it all together and, and spit it out. Now, he's not only not in any mock drafts that we could see today of note, 
The scout who knows told me today that he is right now viewed as somebody who is a borderline second-round pick, meaning he's on the outside looking in there. The thing, and again, this is a kind of a collection of, of thoughts. These can change. They can improve. They can go either way. But the thing that is Tyus is going to struggle with, if you're putting it in the context of an NBA discussion, what you need in the NBA, what you need in this conversation is what really stands out about you, what is special about you, right? What's the one thing that I can look at from an NBA perspective and say, you stand out in a very crowded field? And there's a lot of six six guards out there, right? So what makes you stand out? Well, right now, other than a versatility on offense, there really isn't anything that scouts are walking away from saying that's special in his game right now that he could come out this year. They're evaluating the dribble, having trouble with the handle, the ball's getting taken away from him. They've certainly noticed that, I mean, he can go left, but it's not his strength. He's not as athletic when people see him in person as maybe they anticipated. They're looking to see if he can drive by people. They're certainly impressed that his mid-range game is improving, and a lot of things are improving in the paint there. Mechanically, there's a hitch in his uh, stroke that they've noticed. They're wondering, and uh, scouts always wonder about Syracuse players defensively, of course, with the zone and all that, which isn't always an accurate thing, but they're wondering about lateral movement. They're wondering about how that translates. So this draft, last year they could tear it out. They could separate it out. It was a deep draft, and it's unfair to compare players, but he kept telling me Tyler Lydon was in a certain tier. Here's how the draft is playing out right now. There's about 12 or 13 locked down, really good. They're going, you know, you can draw the line right at the lottery. But he told me from 13 to 50, there's no separation. There, It's just a group of guys that right now are trying to figure out who's going to stand out there. So there could be an opportunity for Tyus Battle to move into that group and say, hey, this is what I do. But as it stands right now, and not only is this a process, things tend to trend, and they grade you a certain way and, and move it up and down. He was up, now he's down. So what can he do? In And look at the spot Syracuse is in right now. There's only six guys. If he really takes over this team and starts having 24, 26, 28-point nights, shows consistency in his three-point shot, and improves on some of those things that I just brought up that are seen as weaknesses, this stock can go up. I mean, generally, they know what kind of play you, you are. They project what you could do at the next level. If we get him in an NBA setting this or a pro setting via the G League or whatever the case may be, this is what they can do with him. If you're asking that right now, right now, he's not a draft pick. That's what I was told. Now, again, that's one guy, but he talks to a lot of other scouts, and a lot of other scouts are saying, not this year. So that's where we're at. Can that change? It absolutely can, because I've seen it before. We've all seen it before. But if you're somebody who's going along the lines of, I'm hoping this process plays out that he's on this team next year for a number of reasons, and given how loaded it's going to be, that would be one heck of a team. It seems to be leaning that way right now. I, I don't think there's any question he's going to test the waters, as he should. That's what that process is there for. Go out there, see what the pros who make these decisions are saying, and then go from there. I think we're still heading down that road no matter what happens over the next two months. 
but he's not trending well right now. He's not standing out right now. Really good college player, really good for this team, but if you're asking from a pure perspective of how he translates to the next level from those that scout this stuff, at least from what I was able to gather today, he's got some work to do. Whereas some other players that have been here recently were trending high at this point and just had to maintain that. So there you go. 437-7644 is the phone number. Got to get to a break. We can talk more about that. We got some Super Bowl to discuss, certainly. It's only Tuesday, and they had that dopey thing they do. What do they call it? Super Bowl Monday, Super Bowl first night. It kind of replaced media day. I don't know. It's just nothing comes out of that. But we certainly will talk some Super Bowl through the week. We talked to Sean McDonough earlier. If you missed that, it's up at ESPNSyracuse.com. And certainly more on this team and how thin they are and how they're going to get through. On the Block continues after this. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.